not just Russian, you know, Uzbek, Kazakh, Russian and all 60-plus countries where Russian is spoken. <laughs> we have the intro exclusively for you guys <laughs> by Akshat Sinha. Добрый день, слушатели. Меня зовут Акшат Сенха. Я сейчас разговариваю с Шекхант Саблани. И мы разговариваем на подкасте «Голоса через границ». Добрый Welcome to another episode of the Great African Caravan Podcast, Voices Beyond Borders. This is me, Shikhan Sablani. And today with me is Akshat Sinha, who is an artist, a curator, and ex-engineer, <laughs> and uh, a very good friend. And uh, today I think we'll be talking a lot about Russia, I guess, because I have a lot of questions about right. his uh, Russian experiences and uh, his life there. So yeah, I think the first thing that I want to ask you is, how was it when you went to Russia as an Indian? And I'm sure you meet people on the streets and they're like, you know, we know a lot about India and they start singing songs and all of that. How did you feel for the first time when you encountered that? So when you travel out of India, you know, it, it's very different from traveling out of your own city. Hmm. Uh, although you always have a perception of how that place is going to be hmm. and how the people will probably respond to who you are and what you are and everything. But uh, whatever uh, expectations I had of Russia... Uh, I did not expect actually people to break into songs. Avarahu uh, <laughs> <laughs> and all those and uh, disco dancer and all. And uh, that's when I realized that, you know, India is known by only purely by the Indian films that were translated and, you know, and run in the uh, cinema theaters and uh, they would run on the national TV. Hmm. So the widespread understanding of India is through the films. So Raj Kapoor has promoted us well. Uh, Mithun Chakravarti <laughs> did it well too and then Thank uh, you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay. people still love them mm, and you mm. know even the so people who would have been really young and probably not even born when Raj Kapoor was you know uh, pushing his films there and you know India was being marketed as, yeah. as India there uh, even they have you know these soft moments from their childhood because they would have sat with their family and uh, the family Everybody remembers India as the Raj Kapoor era. Mm. There are changes happening because they're traveling to India also now, but I think there's still a lot of yeah. that feeling. So I also traveled to Russia with that understanding because I had comics uh, or, you know, illustrated books of Russia and I had read the Soviet uh, world and all those books and mm. all. And uh, obviously I had read a lot of uh, thriller, chase mm. and spy novels which used to have US and uh, the USSR you know, uh, challenges that were there, the the Cold War and, and the spies and everything. So there was this perception of Russia, how it would be, but it was not as cold. The mm. weather was, <laughs> the people weren't, thankfully. Uh, and, and, and I think it's very extreme there, isn't it? Like how cold does it get when it's cold? So there are places in Siberia which go uh, beyond minus 50 and, uh, and all. <laughs> wow. I, I don't think I encountered anything beyond minus 40. But... <laughs> 
that's not too far <laughs> no I mean, but that 10 okay. degree drop is a wow. big fall you know it's like uh, when your thoughts start to freeze <laughs> yeah i i think i've never been to a place which is minus 10 also like i've not been i cannot even imagine how, how does it feel to be in minus 40 i think uh, the last time when we were there we were lucky enough you know that the snow fell a week after we had left from mm. there uh, but uh, I think uh, minus 10 is perfect. Minus 10 mm. is good weather. Minus 10, minus 15 is good weather if there's no <laughs> <Wow>. wind. <laughs> Because everything okay. is frozen, it's dry. You can wear all the all the shapka, the, the, the cap and everything and the overcoat and, you know, probably put on two layers of sweaters and everything. Mm. You can uh, protect yourself uh, against the cold weather mm. because it's not imposing on you. and it's not uh, when the sun shines on the frozen you know roads and the and the snow and which turns into ice at that time uh, it's beautiful you your your uh, mood is uplifted is i know that uh, humans okay. you know like the green color mm. of the nature and everything but the white is also quite beautiful you had south indian students with you in your university yeah they would stand out in the white <laughs> <laughs> if that's the stereotype that you're trying to put there yeah. we had a lot of africans yeah. as well we had hmm. students from 140 uh, okay. countries okay africa is cool yeah. okay yeah. yeah no no africans in terms of okay. people who are coming from really hot oh, areas okay. Okay. and coming i mean so south indians would all also you know south india is hmm. supposedly very hot delhi is no less There I know, I know, but you know, like a lot of my South Indian friends who come from you know southern part of India and are now living in Delhi, right. feel quite cold. So I'm sure it must be. So Delhi know, has, ex- I mean, so Delhi has extremes, yeah. right? You know, so when it is cold, what is also there that our houses are made in such a way that they allow for uh, a, a ventilation hmm. through the house. You know, the hmm. doors would deliberately have certain. gaps in them so that mm. you know it is there it is not to make it uh, because in the summers it's it's you just can't sit at home yeah. if that breeze is sort of not there or there's no uh, ventilation at all uh, but it does not help when it is winters mm. which is there in russia so mm. all the buildings whatever it might be be it a hospital hotel you know hostel or a room or a classroom anywhere you go it's all centrally heated so when you get inside you actually so most buildings or I mean actually all buildings have this special place the cloak room mm. which is a big space because people have to dress up really well mm. to be uh, you know to to fight with the weather outside but when they come inside they need to take it all off <laughs> <laughs> because it's hot to the extent where you know even the sweater becomes difficult to wear okay. on your shirt okay. yeah and what kind of clothes did you carry when you went there for the first time were you prepared so Uh, i had that understanding you know we were told that it's very cold it's very cold so you mm. kind of compare with what you have lived with so okay. delhi had probably seen zero at some mm-hmm, point of time mm-hmm. and uh, but it's a different cold completely and uh, what happens in russia is so uh, this temperature difference between minus 4 to plus 4 even if it is even if it snows it's not really snow snow it's mm. a mix it's sleet it's a yeah. mixture of uh, ice and and uh, water so it's difficult so you, whatever you wear even the shoes that you are wearing it should be waterproof also hmm. it because if your shoes get wet and your socks get wet hmm. it's a very uh, it's very easy to fall sick hmm. because three places i think if you can uh, cover your forehead hmm. your neck okay. and your legs Mm-hmm. and your feet you know that that they are warm if these three places are warm generally it is good enough you can okay. manage a lot of things okay. handle a lot okay. of things and you went there at the time when there was this whole you know political atmosphere was also <laughs> in a fix 
<laughs> yeah, so I got an invitation to join this uh, B-Tech program uh, from USSR. Mm. I got my visa from USSR. I got I bought my ticket from Aeroflot, which was still USSR okay. uh, Airlines. Mm. And uh, and I flew there on the 30th of uh, August, Saturday in the morning. And I reached Russia. <laughs> <laughs> so my first degree in B-Tech is because they still had a, you know, a backlog of a lot of uh, these uh, printed, you know, because they used to print... In bulk, everything. Yeah. So mm. my first degree is from mm. USSR and the mm. second degree when I completed my M-Tech mm. two years uh, after that uh, is from Russia. Mm. So, yeah, it was quite interesting yeah. So, yeah, to reach, to start off for one destination and reach another. <laughs> <laughs> and and how are your, you know, your peers, your uh, Russian friends dealing with this whole change, you know? So the thing is that uh, there used to be USSR, right? So mm. all these countries that broke away from it, Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, they used to be republics, mm. which were a part of the larger, you know, the conglomerate that was there. But it was still USSR as one country. Mm. And then, you know, subsequently when they broke up, they did have an alliance and then CIS countries also happened and everything. But then suddenly when I, I reached there, I had a room partner who was from Kazakhstan and uh, I had another room partner from Benin. And... Uh, so Benin was fine, I mean, right? No, I mean, there's no change in his country. There's no change in my country. Suddenly, the Kazakhstan guy from the Kazakhstan Republic of, you know, in USSR yeah. changed to Kazakhstan as a country. So it yeah. was definitely a change because uh, they did not need uh, any special documents to travel. They were still having mm. the Russian passports. Mm. It took them time to, you know, change things a bit. But uh, definitely, uh, I think... A lot of the students who had just, you know, come in and uh, because we were all young at that moment, we were still trying to understand what was happening with the mm. world around us. Uh, so my peers, I mean, uh, in terms of the Indians who were there, they used to uh, speak of the golden age of USSR and uh. compare it with the challenges which came, you know, because everything kind of broke down. Mm. Uh, all the pipelines, I mean, pipeline in terms of uh, the supply of material supply and food, mm. the supply chain kind of broke down. and. Mm. There was rationing because there was not enough stuff that was moving around. The industry had stopped uh, to a large extent. And it took time for Russia to kind of, you know, bring it back onto it on its feet. Mm. Another thing is that USSR itself, because there were resources at one space uh, in one region, they were being processed in another region, which was okay. one of the, you know, uh, I think, uh, uh, tactics to keep everybody, you know, kind of uh, dependent on each other. Yeah. And that way, uh, you know, you, you kind of interact with it because mm -hmm. isolation and rather no, a lack of communication brings in this gap where, you know, you mm. don't know anything mm. uh, about the other. Mm. And suddenly now there were borders mm. which stopped. And uh, USSR, when the USSR broke down, I think Russia still fared better because it had a lot a lot of stuff which was happening for them because mm. even in USSR period a lot of the uh, the government and the money and everything and the power used to be within the Russian sector okay so when it broke down all the other countries you know which broke away from it uh, they had a tough time coming mm. out of it you know and they create, still do a lot of them I think mm. I think they're still struggling but most of them it's been ages now mm. I and mean, 91 is so long back I mean mm. it seems like a, another mm. uh, life itself mm. even for me Mm. Even for me, who was yeah. not directly, I mean, so I was a, I was just an Indian, suddenly found myself in Russia mm. with a breaking down economy, breaking down structures. Uh, Russia was able to come back on its fees faster because it was possible for it. Uh, the other countries kind of, you know, struggled with it. They do still, but 
everybody is kind of finding their own space hmm. in the world hmm. Hmm. was your family worried about your uh, well being since because they would be you know listening to the news and everything so thing is uh, 20 days before uh, i was supposed to fly i, I was diagnosed with jaundice <laughs> so i had Bravo. to yeah and and you know allopathy has no yeah. you know no medicines for it it's just mm. i mean it's just a condition mm. and uh, there was a homeopath doctor I'm, i'll be indebted for to him for life although mm. he is no longer there he helped me to you know bring back myself into a condition where i was uh, at least able to fly Okay. And uh, so my family definitely had this apprehension, you know, because uh, your your food habits, you know, kind of they are very important during this condition when mm. you have jaundice, you mm. know, to try to keep. So they were really scared as to what I will get, will I get enough nourishment or mm. or not, you know, or what mm. kind of food. So mm. I should not be having high or meaty diet or everything. Although I was a non-vegetarian, I was really looking forward <laughs> to it. <laughs> and. Uh, I think I put off for a week and then I started having sausages and then <laughs> eggs and then everything. So I I just decided to you know just run with it. In terms of the political situation <clears throat> that was there in the uh, country, uh, I think uh, there was there were there were concerns hmm. and uh, I think I think they were justified as well because yeah. uh, especially because the news whatever comes to india comes through the you know the western media yeah even then it used to come through the western media so uh, you didn't really know what was happening in the country hmm. and unfortunately all news items are those items which are really bad yeah uh, most of the good things don't get you know and and general hmm. slice of life things which which kind of suggest that life is normal and it's there hmm. they don't get to be a part of the headlines so the headlines would scream things which would not make yeah. you you know uh, secure which you would, which actually push you to the panic moment actually mm. for the family mm. but uh, we were able to call maybe once in a month or so mm. and you know kind of la their fears that you know it's not that bad and also you know the news that comes to us comes right. from a very western perspective because Absolutely. i remember when i was growing up most of the idea about ussr would be you know rocky fighting a machine you know like right. those kind of things you have like you know russians are you know this i don't know machine you know without any faith <laughs> as they say you know yeah. without any emotion just so cold people you know i would not say that without faith but hmm. faith in a singular structure so that yeah, okay, that, that yeah, idea yeah. that that cold determination to follow an idea hmm. that is what hmm. i think hmm. the perception was about ussr yeah. right the, behind the cold curtain uh, the iron curtain and mm-hmm. lies this cold wasteland yeah where there very limited number of people but whoever mm. is there is very cold at heart also yeah which is obviously not true it was a stereotype mm. which was promoted by the americans no, of course and yes. uh, unfortunately i'm sure that war. at certain places you know uh, the the russians might have actually reflected the same thing at times <laughs> because it was important for them to show that strength also ha so rather than people outside understanding it as strength they would perceive it as uh, indifference yeah yeah so the, when we flew to russia we expected them to be indifferent which they were not they mm-hmm. really wanted to know more about india i mean apart from whatever they had learned about india they wanted to know about india who's the how's the family what do we wear obviously the questions about snakes and elephants and cows <laughs> and everything used to be there because yeah. that's again a stereotype that they had you know grown up with but uh, they really were people who were interested in your life and they wanted to so i still have a lot of friends you know there who are still there you know and, mm. and that friendship has remained yeah. because of that a lot of yeah. them have actually moved out of russia after a certain okay. point of time because they got opportunities to travel abroad mm. or work abroad and and you know out of mm. russia and all 
but still Russia remains a very you know a, a close corner and you know, a special corner in my heart for them. Do you go to Russia often? Uh, so I came back in 2000 mm. uh, when I had complete. I had completed my MTech in 98. I worked there for about two years and 2000 mm. I came back. Mm. I didn't go for three years and then 2003 I traveled back for just an alumni reunion. Uh, then there was a long gap of 12 years. In 2015, uh, during this period, I, you know, I finished up with whatever I was doing commercially or professionally and everything and I switched over to my artistic or my creative side. And uh, I traveled in 2015 to uh, exhibit mm. at the uh, Center for Artists in Moscow. Okay. And I represented India with two of my installations. Wow. So 2015, I went twice, actually. I Then we had another alumni. So within a month, I was able to go twice after 12 years gap. 2017, I took the uh, Indian exhibition, you know, Indian Contemporary Exhibition to Art Russia of which you were a part as well. <laughs> we all traveled yeah, together, the yeah. six of us, with the large <coughs> consignment of <laughs> 300 349 <something>. paintings <laughs> uh, uh, physically taken there and set up and everything. And that, so three, three, uh, 2017, I did that. And then 2018, I did another project uh, with the uh, Botanical Garden, Nikitsky Botanical Garden in Crimea. And we had two sculptors who created a, seven-foot sculpture for uh, wow. for the botanical garden. It was an international mm. residency of sorts. Mm. And uh, so it's been, I mean, I've been lucky enough to be able to travel again and again. Mm. What changes have you seen from, you know, the beginning years of, you know, Russia as a country, you know, right. post the USSR and now that you go back to your, I'm sure you must have been to the same places that you have Things have changed in. completely. Mm. Things have changed completely. I, I think uh, they've moved on from that uh nostalgia that you know the the elderly people mm. had for the world that they existed in where where mm. the state was taking care of all your needs mm. and all you needed to do was to perform that job that you had been you know mm. assigned mm. so there was more they were more focused they were more dedicated just to that mm. without an expectation that there would be a lot of growth in what they are doing so mm. it was mm. a daily i don't know maybe it would become mundane also at, for some people but that nostalgia about you know where the state would take care of you it's no longer there. Yeah. Now you have to fend for yourself. You have to create those opportunities, work on yourself, uh, find things to do, mm. to exist and mm. to survive uh, because the state structure is not there anymore. Mm. It's a different government structure as well. There are more opportunities. Mm. And what these opportunities, I mean, so Russia has become uh, more open to the world. So mm. when I go there, I see a lot many more foreigners than used to be there Okay. at that time. So whatever foreigners would, I mean, so 90s was a very strange period, you know, the entire mm. 90s, because after the collapse of the USSR, Russia, you know, was struggling with how it would function as a as a commerce state, you know, mm. in terms of finance and industry and everything. Uh, 90s was very strange in mm. those ways. You had the mm. mafia, you had all those things. And I think they have evolved from that and, and, the, and the iron hand of Putin, you know, for the mm. over the years, whatever it might be, but it has definitely helped uh, the, the country move into a singular direction. And people are kind of, so there, there are challenges, I'm sure that there will be challenges everywhere in any structure also, but more or less I feel that the people have faith in a, in a future. Mm. Mm. which is very important for civil, for a human civilization to kind of move forward, right? Mm. You have faith that tomorrow, if I work Things today, will be better. 
if i work today yeah there there is a possibility that i can create a better future for myself mm. so that opportunity is there mm. a lot of things that i saw you know especially when i i when we traveled in 2017 with you and yeah, i was yeah. talking about uh, all the uh, small kiosks and all you know mm. and food that was sold on the streets and everything and these babushkas and everything they pretty much not there anymore mm. they have been replaced by small uh, planned spaces which are there in already so the renex or the bazaars that used to be there mm. initially which used to be really really big and you know mm. you would have a special shoe bazaar mm. which would be in 2 3 you know it would be in a kilometer mm. space mm. of radius and they used to be really really big and dedicated to one type of thing so one could be a food market specifically shoes market garments or whatever now those open so they were definitely a part of the black economy mm. so that has kind of been you know faded out okay i don't see them anymore mm-hmm. and uh, most of the structure is more uh, most of these establishments are more structured mm-hmm. and they definitely come under the governance of the uh, of the government itself mm-hmm. the state the city governments and everything mm-hmm. so there is a lot of change in terms of how people have evolved mm-hmm. mm, they speak more english for once <laughs> that yeah. that's yeah that's and a big change, they, yeah? yeah yeah they're not scared to use the language as well they're mm-hmm. not uh, uh i mean they're still proud of their language but that does not stop them from using english as a communication tool hmm. and uh, it was definitely reflective after the fifa world cup and you know things yeah. completely changed i remember in the metro they had special windows which that i speak in english okay so russia itself is making itself more accessible uh for a foreigner to walk in and kind of engage with them which is a definitely a good thing because there is no myth about it right now mm. that they want mm. to push across they mm. want to actually present themselves as they are they want to communicate so there's that communication gap is definitely uh, going out the youngsters are definitely they so they're definitely beautiful so i mean it's not i i don't know it's not just the fascination for the white color but they have such beautiful features they are generally uh, more uh, classy in what they wear mm. they have really mm. so russia a large part of it is definitely in europe Mm. uh in in asia mm. but their dress sense is definitely very european mm. and uh, yeah. so they really up to date they a lot of these so when you go to the regions you do have these regions kind of you know keeping their uh, uh, traditions alive and their mm. traditional attire and everything mm-hmm. but everybody is moving to a world where they are it's easier for a foreigner to connect with them Hmm. So that is definitely a change. Did you get a chance to travel to the eastern side of Russia as well? The you know across Siberia and all those regions, or were, were you mostly in the western? I was mostly in the western. I, hmm. I have not done. I mean, that is a dream that I still have. You hmm. know, to go to Krasnoyarsk and and you know to the uh, the far east side. Maybe look at Japan from the from the <laughs> edge. Uh, yeah. Th- maybe the Trans-Siberian hmm. you know, rail or hmm. something like that. Uh, I have gone to other areas like Ofa and you know, and Bashkiria and all but uh, I haven't really traveled too far east. So my exposure has been more I I lived more Moscow St Petersburg. Mm-hmm. I studied in Moscow and I traveled to St Petersburg. There used to be an overnight train so we would do it once or twice a week or once or <laughs> twice a month. Okay. So okay. I had cousins uh, studying in St Petersburg even if they wouldn't have been there I would have still traveled because traveling mm. was cheap for students. Yeah. We had these special uh, you know uh charges for us so there were big discounts and uh, it made sense hmm. and uh, through our university itself we went to sochi and to other places as well uh, sochi on the black sea and all yeah. so we used to uh, 
have these summer vacations where they would take us mm. to other places mm. then when i started working i traveled to other cities in terms of ofar like i said and other places which uh, so I, i kind of got to look at the regions as well which are in stark contrast to what moscow is mm. Mo- moscow is very cosmopolitan mm. very urban mm. and uh, the moment you move to the uh, regions you see that there is a shift complete mm. shift mm-hmm. uh, the people are more different you know mm. uh, i think they're more open also mm. because life is slightly the pace of life is slower, slower yeah. so it's easier for them to you know sit down talk have conversations have conversations yeah. so i've traveled to tashkent and to mm. other you know those mm. cis countries as well so uh, again the life is much mm. easier it's easier for them to sit down let's have mm. a chat mm. the moscow is too fast mm. even when i go there now and you know i i interact with my indian friends there who have you know settled there and they have their businesses and the children are studying in the local schools and everything life is too fast for them mm. it's it's very difficult for them to spend time with you as such so that is there so tell me about your work since you like you know you finished your education i think i think you did your masters as well in yeah, russia i did and when you finished your you know university what kind of work were you doing in uh, russia see fact is because the 90s a lot of uh, speculation was possible and it was trading was one of the you know the big things that was happening there because suddenly the country had opened to a lot of uh, opportunities and uh, uh, there was a lot of money to be made in that so even while i was doing my education i started working with a few companies uh and then when i finished my masters i j- i opened up an office a representative office of a dubai based company for textiles so we were purely into trading it was only my language that was coming in and the knowledge of people you know mm-hmm. that was coming to uh, that was being put to use yeah there. i st- i worked there and then you know i realized i i wanted to come back to india i don't know i i can't really pinpoint what was that specific moment when i decided that i have to come back to india but i made that choice quit everything for 6 months and i just you know and then i came back to india wow. india was a challenge which which year was this 2000 so okay. i came back in september 2000 i went uh, i went via russia to dubai again because i wanted to set up a friend of mine okay uh, with the same you know mm-hmm. company textile company so i did travel there and he had these you know suggestions why don't you stay back or probably you can come and go uh, and i but i wanted a clean kind of a cut from it mm. so i said no i'm not i'm not planning to come back but what made you take the decision i i really can't pinpoint i mean mm. it's difficult to understand but somehow suddenly it all became very useless for me i don't know why mm. i i can't really say so. i i think one conversation you know sort of still stands out to me you know when i was discussing with a friend of my father's who was there in russia he was also doing some business there and he said you know you're the only son your sister's married and your father is probably alone doing whatever he is doing he's not young anymore mm. and this is still in 2000 you know we're talking mm. about and i kind of felt yeah i mean and i wanted to get married as well my my fiance you know so we had met in russia and the same university she finished she had already finished her medical uh, course and she was back in india mm-hmm. she didn't really want to come back to russia because she okay. never really got to terms with the with the cold okay per se and for a for a doctor it was there weren't too many opportunities to work as well okay so ultimately i knew that you know i'll have to take make a choice at some point of time in my life and you know move back so i took that decision you know snapped everything and then came back to india culture not a culture shock but a shock in terms of so i wanted to work in my engineering you know i mean i mm. thought i'll just go back to it, my root i mean my education and utilize it mm. and i was being offered a job for 5000 rupees somewhere in 
Lucknow or something, and I was mm. like, no, I'm not doing this. At, you know, mm. I'm, I'm not going to waste my life on this. Is mm. I've I've done bigger stuff. I can mm. do more stuff. Mm. If uh, I would rather than going into the uh, the implementation or the in engineering part of it, I would rather move into the management part of it because that's something okay. that I had already been exposed to. So I start. I worked with a few companies from Bombay, and you know, I did held their representative offices in Delhi mm. for North India. Then eventually, I had my own consulting firm. <coughs> I had my own uh, HR consulting firm and uh, with a with a partner and till 2006 I I had this you know flourishing business and we were doing really good stuff there because mm -hmm. we were into headhunting and you know senior level uh, recruitments and everything and again one fine day I just thought you know I mean there's enough money there's enough excitement here but somehow I am not able to there's something in me which is blank mm -hmm. and it's starting to eat up void. Mm -hmm. there was a void and I didn't know what what to do with it hmm. so i asked my partner to buy me out one fine day <laughs> and i moved out of it and for two years okay. i just didn't do anything i didn't know what i wanted to do i mean hmm. so for my family also hmm. it was like a challenge you know as to why have you quit and hmm. you know those questions were there with me but i didn't really want to continue with what i was doing hmm. how old were you when you took that decision so 2006 i would have been 33 that's so quite i i kind <laughs> yeah. of retired yeah. at 33 you know <laughs> and uh, in 2008 yeah. you know i i started writing a novel i don't know why but i just started i wrote something and then i thought it could be more and then i wrote about 250 pages <laughs> the novel never you know completed itself uh, but it put me on to this path of creativity okay so that's how i kind of you know moved into it then uh, i i used to paint I when i was this. young okay mm. when i was young i used to paint mm. my mother had this you know desire she had completed her course from jj and uh, uh, long distance uh, distance learning mm -hmm. and uh, but she used to paint and she used to push me into painting all the gifts that I used to give to my friends who used to be canvases okay <laughs> I even participated yeah. in the Sh Shankar's art competition which used to be a big thing in Delhi yeah, at yeah. that time I, I think I participated three four years you know uh, simultaneously I mean uh, each year mm. and uh, one of the years I even won an award but that had kind of you know stepped back you know because education takes over career and everything uh, so I saw canvas lying from that period hmm. and some old oil paints hmm. which were still live. So I used them on the canvas and I felt, you know, it, it felt nice to actually create something. Hmm. So I joined a hobby course. I call it a hobby course, they call it an art course. But <laughs> I joined this hobby weekend hobby course with uh, India okay. Habitat Center. Okay. And I did that for three months. So they had a semester of three months. Okay. So I completed three months and I was really enjoying it. You know? mm -hmm. I knew that I was doing better than whoever was there. And, you, know, <laughs> you feel nice when you are better than the others. right? <laughs> and also because I was suddenly having this purpose. Sort mm -hmm. of a purpose was mm -hmm. there. Because which had been lacking for the last two years when I had been searching as to actually what I want to do in life. And I joined up for another semester. And that's when I realized that it was a hobby course. Uh -huh. And I wanted to do more. Yeah. Because uh, it continued at the same pace. I mean, no offense to them because that's, a, you know, that's something that they have planned for people. But I wanted to grow out of that. So in 2008, I joined Delhi Collage of Art and I did a one-year diploma of fine art with them. Hmm. And since then, I started so with my co-students, you know, who were classmates and all from the Collage of Art. We did four exhibitions, you know. Hmm one after the other yeah. every few months two three months and mm. and then i again realized that it's becoming boring <laughs> <laughs> just keep creating work to uh. exhibit and you know then promote and then try and sell mm. which was again not something that i really wanted to do but mm. 
2010 with a few friends of mine so they were participating in the comic con the first ah. annual comic con that was happening okay so i said i don't i also join in and uh, so i wrote a story which was illustrated by somebody else okay. so bhan pratap you know he illustrated it and uh, we thought i thought i'll bring in again my management mm. skills mm. and you know I'll bring people together mm. and we you know we'll we'll do something more with this mm. and uh, by that time i had you know s- street art was also kind of booming in delhi and delhi street art group you know they had a uh, they had a shout out for people to come to lodi garden paint the dustbins or whatever i went painted then i painted some more with them then i painted walls with them then uh, i remember tracy uh, lee stam from california she was uh, going to be in town painting at the amphitheater of the india habitat center where um, she was going to be doing 3d sand art uh, 3d chalk painting okay. uh, you know uh, on, on the street on, on, on the amphitheater so the okay. amphitheater okay. is that open space right street painting only mm-hmm. but basically on the floor and i joined her and it was so much fun so i did that with her whenever she came back i was thankfully able to join her at the jaipolet fest also and then do it at another space a few years from that but uh, what all these things you know kind of why i'm telling all these things also mm. i keep repeating them to myself also okay reason being i have understood for myself i have no desire to be master of anything okay i want to experience that is the most important thing for me that uh, i want to do everything i want to know everything i want to uh, experience everything first hand mm mm-hmm. do it to the point where it still interests me and mm. then move on there mm. is absolutely for me that my life is an experiential factor mm. i just want to experience stuff wow so yeah i think that's a great way to go about with life isn't it i think life is just experiences mm. i mean mm. at the end of the day it doesn't matter if i am the head of a company mm. if i i mean for maybe for some it would for me it doesn't mm. for me uh, how many people i have met how many associations i have had hmm. what they have left with me people hmm. move on right yeah. so i mean your friends move on everything moves your acquaintances move on but they still leave a part with you yeah which they can never nobody can take it away hmm. from you except hmm. for you forgetting about them hmm. so all these associations that i did and all these programs that i try to create for me to go back to russia it's another reason for me to be, you know still stay in touch with that yeah. country for yeah. me for me that country uh, became like a second homeland Hmm. because somebody who's 17 years of age you know hmm. suddenly reach hmm. another country which exposes hmm. you suddenly have money hmm. nobody to tell you what to do hmm. so all your decisions are your own you know you yeah. make the mistakes and you learn from your mistakes yeah. and you got to handle it i mean unlike in school when you don't have the money hmm. and you don't have any you know <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any rights as yeah. well so yeah. from, to move from that to this i hmm. think that that is that golden period you know yeah. so which is why when i had my for solo exhibition i called it those golden years and uh, i based it on my years spent in russia mm-hmm. in while i was studying there yeah and it's great that you can have the opportunities that you had and you know and it's not easy for everybody to take the jump from a regular work life that we all you know strive to at least get there you know and then take the jump to actually explore what you really want to do and i think it's a great thing Yeah. So how do you feel now uh, you I think like you do a lot of work with the uh, the Russian uh, diplomats also and with the translations and is it all these things like you said uh, a way to keep yourself connected with one Russia part, in a way so one part would be to stay connected hmm. but uh, I think what's also important is to know that art does not pay mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately mm-hmm. it doesn't really pay mm-hmm. 
so all my translation and interpreter services that i provide you know they give me an opportunity to you know keep the bread on the table although mm. that's not what i do i mean so i have a wife who's a doctor i have my own house so i don't really need a lot mm. to exist mm. so for my existence things are there i need a, i need money for my projects and things that i want to do in life right so they require a lot of money so the interpretation and the and the uh, translation you know kind of supports me in that but what it also does for me is allow me to keep exercising my my language skills otherwise what's going to happen is because i will not have anybody uh, you know to practice my language i lose i lose touch with the language itself and i don't want to do that because language is definitely a window to the culture and whatever right so i don't want to lose that what it also does is give provides me an opportunity to network with people yeah. and uh, there are a lot of relationships that have evolved from this you know there are a lot of projects that have uh, some have fructified some have you know some we have tried to but at least it gives an opportunity to do more hmm so i treat these uh, engagements with the russian culture center with the russian embassy or with uh, incoming you know uh, people for commercial reasons who are traveling to india for investments or for some kind of a uh, co-working uh, with the indian uh, companies when i travel out with them and you know i i do this interpreter service i learn a lot about things i would never know about hmm. right that's that's another thing that i don't i mean there are certain ndas that exist at times where i am not able to speak but i know and that is most important for me Mm. I don't need to tell people about it but yeah. the fact that I know about it is so mm. very important for mm. me mm. and it gives an opportunity to find new people and new engagements everywhere like I met with Aftab in St Petersburg at the Hermitage Museum mm. because I was traveling to Russia for mm. some other project mm. and he's the guy who was backpacking yeah yeah and he was backpacking and mm. he's like I can never do that mm. and he backpacked across Europe I backpacked way, across yeah? Europe but I didn't hitchhike okay Okay. Afta was actually hitchhiking. That's mm. like next level. I mm. mean, without language, mm. he had no understanding of the language. He just traveled to Russia, went to Kazan. Mm. However, he reached so Kazan. He reached, I think, by train from Moscow. Mm. And from Kazan, he came back to Moscow hitchhiking. Mm. Mm. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's it's just amazing. And for yeah. me to, I mean, now try and document that. So I'm just finding that. So I would mm. never have met him. Yeah. So these these kind of engagements, you know, they they bring new associations, they new uh, bring new perspectives for the future. So for anybody going to Russia, right? What would be the five like top things that you would want to share that you know a person should expect when they land <laughs> in Moscow or any other place in Russia? I think one of the basic thing is whatever you can think about Russia and you know you can perceive about it. it will be broken when you reach there <laughs> you're wrong <laughs> yeah you are wrong yeah. uh, okay. and that's the good part of it yeah because mm. uh, you know the world media yeah. which is very westernized presents a picture of russia which is very difficult uh what anybody who would wa- want to go to russia or is traveling to russia i think first of all they should be open to the fact that things can be different from what they perceive them to be mm. the people are not as cold mm. so it's easier and it is possible to speak to them mm. they don't take offense yeah they might seem like not smiling much <laughs> but yeah. they just seem to you you start a conversation a lot of people actually know english mm. compared to the earlier years and it's easier so uh, one that's thing is one, to yeah. w- that's two actually so okay. so one thing is to be ready 
and open to difference of uh, you know expectations perfect right second thing is to be, start a conversation hmm. you do that hmm. take that first initiative because a lot of russians don't take that initiative ah, i still feel okay. so it's easier for a foreigner to ask them ask for help ask for anything uh, start a conversation it's possible uh, russia is a large country and it has a lot of different weather conditions mm. so don't just take it for granted that Let you know it's be, going to be cold yeah so just do a slight study before mm. you go where mm. you're going google mm. can tell you a lot of things about that space mm. uh, that region specifically if it says cold believe it <laughs> it can really <laughs> it can get cold <laughs> it can really get cold so be yeah. aware of you know what what is happening and that's not just the westernized you know yeah. aspect of it's it it's cold it's it's actually cold if you're yeah. going to siberia prepare for it you know mm. be prepared for it so that's one thing o- be open to the food mm. and don't expect that it is only that bland you know borscht and uh, bland things you know borscht is actually not bland the the cutlets or whatever mm. that is going mm. to be the only thing the russian cuisine is very very you know i mean mm. there's so many different things there's no just one uh, russian cuisine it differs from area to area so be open to it uh, if you are a vegetarian find out you know what are the things that you can do there is a lot of vegetarian stuff so this there's this thing that you know vegetarians can't survive in russia it's not true there's there l- cheese there's cheese there's 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 potato yeah. which is oh, everywhere yes. and there's bread and yeah. there's mayonnaise mm. and there's you know the curd yeah. so a lot of milk products are there mm. so there's there's a lot of different stuff when was this i think we went there i don't know i don't remember exactly but uh, somebody asked for spice and they gave turmeric Yeah, because for them, sp- turmeric, that's the curry, right? Yeah, yeah. With turmeric, you can, I mean, the turmeric is the yellow powder, yeah, yeah. so it adds that yellow color, which mm. generally lacks mm. in mm. their food. Like our understanding of spice is on the extreme level. If we think spice means chili, you know? exactly. That's what exactly. we imagine. And uh, I mean, Indian cuisine can get very, very, you know, extreme mm. on its mm. own. So we and we put a lot of different uh, spices into the same thing you know mm. so so it's evolved as a different thing but it's mm. not about india mm. it's about russia so you could probably have black pepper mm. and uh, some kind of leaf that would be there so so uh, soya mm. is used the dill herbs mm. are used extensively you yeah. can put it in they can put it in everything and make it really tasty mm. even the blandest of things because you get to get the basic taste and yeah. flavor and, yeah, and yeah. it's really good superb So yeah I think that's amazing and uh, I think we can end it here uh Akshat thank you very much for being there with me and talking about Russia and lot of uh, random things <laughs> on the side yeah. but uh, yeah it's always fun to talk to you and yeah. uh, same here it's a lot of fun <laughs> to talk to you and das vidyan guruji yeah uh, spasiba bolshoi <laughs> for listening <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> please do <laughs> yes that one person <laughs> yeah across russia i don't know somebody like somebody in mongolia will be listening it will be fun you know yeah maybe i don't know podcast can reach beyond borders mm-hmm.